Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in on this Sunday evening. Here we are just one week away from Christmas Day. How exciting that is. And I have a lot of info to share with you. Our co-host, Pastor Josh, is with us as well. And we got quite a few things to share, so you stay with us during this program. We'll be sharing some of the history behind the great Christmas songs we sing at this time of year and what they truly meant in the day they were written. Particularly one of the songs I'm going to share with you is one we have sung for centuries, literally, and it's one of the favorite ones. But we really did not know what it meant when they wrote it was a different thought than what we have today. But it makes more sense when we think about what they were singing about in the 1500s. Well, we'll take that journey in just a minute, so you stay with us if you would. Uh, Let me remind you, and I think Pastor Josh probably reminds you this as well, but on Christmas Day, that's next Sunday, we will be having two wonderful services, an 8 o'clock early morning service. We encourage you to bring the family, just wrap the kids up in their pajamas, bring them on to the 8 o'clock service, Or if you prefer, the 11 o'clock service. Pastor Josh will be speaking at 11. I'll be speaking at 8 o'clock here at Antioch Baptist Church. Our church located at Exit 7, just off Interstate 81 in Bristol, Virginia. We're adjacent to the interstate, right next door to the Bojangles Restaurant and the Days Inn Motel. So you can find us very easily there. If you come to worship with us, and we surely would love to have you do that. And so put that down on your calendar. Also, our website, AntiochBristol.com, is a great place to find us. I'm looking at Luke chapter number 2, and I've been intrigued with uh, how that the Lord used senior citizens at Christmas time. In the first Christmas, he used senior citizens. Now, that's marvelous. Now, of course, he used the teenage girl, Mary. And then some think that Joseph was probably in his 20s. So there is all the spectrums of age. There's the teenage virgin girl, Mary. There's Joseph probably in his 20s. And then there's the senior citizens, Zacharias, Elizabeth, Simeon, and Anna. Wow, we could go on and we realize how God uses every age person to get his will done. You're never too young, nor are you ever too old that God does not have you in his plans, and how marvelous this truth is. We'll look more at that in just a moment. But God has a plan for every single person. You know, Winston Churchill was 65 when he became prime minister of England. And there are many, many stories like that in modern history. Uh, But what about Moses? There was Moses. He was 80 years old when he was called to literally 
begin the nation of Israel and lead them out of Egypt into the promised land. Yeah, he's 80 years old. He made every excuse why he shouldn't do it. And I can see, I'm not near 80 yet, but I can see as I get older, I'm telling you, I'd probably want to get rid of some of those responsibilities if I was Moses' age. But God had a plan. What about Simeon and Anna? Had a plan for them. What about Zacharias and Elizabeth? Had a plan for them. What about Mary, the little teenage girl? A plan for her. Joseph, her husband, in the 20s, probably in his 20s. Some said he could even have been 30. Well, however that is, we know that he was a little older than Mary, and all the ages are used here. This is a marvelous truth. And uh, let's just take a look at that for a few minutes right now. Luke chapter number 1. The Bible tells us that Zacharias and Elizabeth both were of great age in chapter 1, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. Now, you study in the phrasing there of well stricken in years, it means they were feeble, really, they were feeble. So uh, you keep that in mind and help you understand what a miracle it was then for Zacharias when he returned home there somewhere around in in June, mid-June in that neighborhood. He returned home and Elizabeth then becomes pregnant and she has John the Baptist. She is pregnant with John, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Wow, what a miracle. And this senior citizen couple is bearing the very one, the messenger that'll go before to announce the coming of King Jesus. How important that is. And we are familiar with Luke 1, most of you listening to the program today. So we won't go into a lot of detail there. But suffice it to say, God used this couple who had many years before prayed for a child. I'm confident in my own mind and heart that Zacharias had not prayed for a long time for a baby. Time was well past that they could have a child, and we're told that the angel said to Zacharias in chapter 1 and verse 13, the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. When did he pray that prayer? Was it that day when he had the wonderful privilege, probably a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, to offer incense on that altar? I don't think so. Nope, I don't think so at all. You couldn't convince me of that at all. I think that prayer was prayed many, many years ago. But aren't you glad that prayers prayed many, many, many years ago, God still hears and answers, and the answer may be on the way for your prayer. The answer may be on the way for my prayer. Prayed years ago. Hallelujah for a God that keeps our prayers in a book and our tears in a bottle. And wow, what a lovely Lord we have. So we see in Zacharias and Elizabeth, they remained faithful. They prayed for years to have a child. Then the time grew to where uh, they were no longer young enough to bear children. And I don't think this prayer had been prayed for a long time, but it didn't keep God from answering it. And that is a marvelous truth. Remember that, all right? You keep that in mind, and you be faithful in prayer. We learned that from Zacharias and Elizabeth, and here 
in the bearing of that child. Now, here it comes. Here comes Mary in Luke chapter number one as well. Little teenage girl. We're, we know that. And we know that she's promised to be the very mother, the virgin born mother of, or the virgin mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ would be the virgin born son of God. And how wonderful that is. And she believes it completely. She said, as the angels said uh, to her and told her what was going to happen, the Holy Ghost will come upon you, verse 35, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also that Holy One which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. There is the clear statement and the promise from Gabriel and what does Mary say? She says, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. There was no more convincing needed by Mary. What she said is, I believe it. I believe I'm pregnant right now. I think she was too. I believe with all my heart she was. Why do you say that? Because she said, I believe right now. Let me ask you a question. Whenever you responded to God in faith and full surrenderance to what He wanted in your salvation or any other thing? Did it take a long time for Him to respond? No. The moment you believe, instantaneously, the work of salvation took place in your life. The very moment that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. It's not a process that takes years and years and decades. No, it's the moment you believed. And every step of surrender in our life, as we surrender to the Lord, every single step, when we believe and trust God and we move on that faith, then, ladies and gentlemen, it's done. God does it. And I think that's what happened to little Mary here. And she believed it, and she was pregnant. The Holy Ghost did that, uh, overshadowed her. The Lord Jesus enrobed himself in flesh and placed himself in the dark womb of a virgin girl. Hallelujah. What a wonderful truth that is. Now let's move over to Luke chapter number 2. In Luke chapter 2, we know the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll be speaking more about that the Lord willing, in next week's program on Christmas Day. But we see that just after the child is born, after the child is born, we see that they take him to the temple to uh, give the correct, required by the law, dedication, as you read the story in Luke chapter number 2. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, verse 25 tells us, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And he goes on to talk about 
that Jesus would be the light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel and gives a prophecy even to Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. But notice, Simeon is an old man, and he's the first to recognize, outside of the family of Mary and Joseph, he's the first to recognize and be told by God, this is the Messiah. And Simeon, here you are, a senior citizen, And you are going to be the first to recognize that and praise God for it and offer prophecies and blessings. And in that same moment, here comes a gal by the name of Anna. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age, had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of fourscore and four years. Eighty-four years she had been a widow. She departed not from the temple but serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that very instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Oh, my goodness. Here's a senior citizens are the first to recognize the Messiah. And how wonderful it is that there's no age requirement in being used of God. There's no age requirement of too old or too young that God cannot use you. So I encourage you today, don't think your time is past or don't think you're too young. Just remember, our Lord, in the birth of His Son, in getting His Son, Jesus Christ, right here to this earth, He used the senior citizens, the teenagers, the young adults, And we don't even know how old the shepherd boys were. Probably a variety of ages there. And we could go on and on. But we see God using every age, every class of people. That's who he came for. All of us. It's not his will that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Now, what is that song that I mentioned that we've sung it? For centuries, and it's one of the most popular songs. It's sung all the time now. Yet, yet when it was written, they figured out something that you and I are just now finding out. What do you mean by that? Well, it's written in the 15th century, no doubt about it. And the carol was sung for hundreds of years before it was finally published in the 19th century. And you can thank Queen Victoria for her love of such songs as this uh, to get it printed and get it published. That was in the 19th century and had been sung since the 1500s before that. And this song, let me give you the title, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. O tidings of comfort and joy and comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. Well, when we sing this today, we say, well, sure, we are merry. We're happy and, you know, and don't really understand why happy people are resting people. God rest you, merry gentlemen. But those two words, merry and rest, had totally different meanings in the 1500s when this was written. The word merry meant mighty or great. It didn't carry with it the thought of just uh, 
lighthearted happiness. No, it really carried with it being mighty and great. Uh, you remember Robin Hood and his merry men? Well, they wasn't merry as we think of merry today. They were mighty men. And so here's the song. We know that he says, God rest ye mighty men, or ye great men. That's what that meant in the Middle Ages. And the word rest meant to make or to be. In other words, it was a state of being or a state of becoming. And it meant to them, adding these meanings in that day, is God make you mighty, gentlemen. Now, that really makes us understand this carol even better. God make you mighty, gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Now we understand it better. God makes us mighty the more we remember that Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us from Satan's power when we were all gone astray. Ladies and gentlemen, the more that I meditate on the cross of Christ and the great work of Christ, the stronger I become, yea, the mightier I become. So God rest ye merry gentlemen, God make you mighty gentlemen. Well, our co-host, Pastor Josh, is coming to share some great things with you as well. Thank you, Pastor Brad. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Answers from Antioch, brought to you by Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. We invite you to connect with us on our website. That's AntiochBristol.com. There you will find archived episodes of this program, and you can go back and listen to episodes you may have missed and share these with other people if they're a blessing to you as well. Also on our website, you will find links to our audio sermons and video sermon archives going back over a year now, and we are grateful for that. All that's available again on our website, AntiochBristol.com. Christmas is just a week away, as has already been said, and we love Christmas in our church because it's all about Jesus. He is the heart of our Christmas celebration, and He is the reason that we have to even celebrate in the first place. The greatest gift that was ever given is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But think about the very first Christmas. Think about the faith that it took for the likes of Mary and Joseph to follow God's seemingly impossible Can we even say borderline preposterous proposal that he gave to them? Now, without the help of God, it would be preposterous. But with God, as we're going to see, all things are possible. And we see in Luke chapter 1, for instance, when the angel comes to this Mary. In Luke 1, 28, for instance, it says, The angel came in unto her and said, Hell, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And Mary, at this point, is probably looking around over her shoulder, saying, I think you got the wrong person. Who are you talking to? 
When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. What is this angel talking about? What's going on here? The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. The word favor there is the word grace. You have found grace with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be the and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, the Holy One, which is born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, which, and this is the sixth month with her, who is also called barren. What would it take for Mary to believe the report of the angel? and to act upon it by faith. She could have said, no, no, thank you. You've got the wrong person. I can't do this. I can't be the mother to the Messiah. I can't shoulder that responsibility. But she did not reject the responsibility, not because she saw some internal strength within herself or saw the opportunity of a lifetime, although it certainly was that, But I think that she knew that she could believe God. So much of our modern world today is told, look within yourself, be strong, be courageous, and find the strength within yourself. Find the courage within yourself. Dig deep in your heart and find that courage. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Hang in there. Hold on. Uh, to everything you've got just by your fingernails if you have to. Our world is filled with these modern motivational techniques that tell us, look within yourself, find the strength to go on, find the courage to face your fears deep within your heart, deep within your own soul. While that sounds good and healthy and positive on the surface, can I tell you, it's anything but because we don't have the power within ourselves. Mary would never have been able to do this under her own power and under her own strength, under her own courage, under her own faith. She had to trust in God. She had to look to the Lord to give her everything that she needed to become the mother of the Messiah, and to flourish in that role that God had called her to. I think this is what's often missing when we're talking about serving the Lord in our modern-day contexts. We feel like we have to have the gifts and the abilities and and all the know-how before we launch into doing something for the Lord. Here is Mary, someone who was never formally trained, can we say, but she had the right heart attitude. And that's what God was looking for then. That's what God is looking for now. 
people who will trust him, people who will follow him and walk in obedience to him, knowing that he is going ahead of you. And it's not so much about your ability as it is him and what he can do through you and in you. That's why the angel says here to her, I skipped verse 37 on purpose because I wanted to come back to it. It's so important, Luke 1, 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The angel does not tell Mary, look inside yourself and you'll find the strength to do this. God sees that you are very strong. He sees that you are very capable and he knows you can do this. No, that's not the message that comes. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. It's not up to Mary at all. It's all what God is doing. And God is just looking for people who are going to be faithful to him, who are going to follow him and walk in obedience to him. We don't have to have all the know-how. We don't have to have all the ingenuity. We don't have to have all the strength or all the finances. It comes from God. We just follow him by faith step by step. Mary just simply said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And we look at Joseph. He had much the same choice and much the same dilemma. If I was Joseph, I would probably have a lot of feelings of inadequacy, especially when you're told, Oh, by the way, you got to pack up and go to Bethlehem. Leave Nazareth, go to Bethlehem. We don't have anywhere to stay. We don't know where we're going to go. Who's going to welcome us in? Mary is about to give birth. What happens if something happens along the way? And all the feelings of inadequacy start to creep to the surface. And I can't find a place to provide. And as they come into Bethlehem, Joseph is looking for a place, any place that they could stay. All the places are taken. All the places are full. They find a spare room, maybe with somebody they knew, maybe with some family, maybe with a relative. And they are there in what functioned as a place where they would keep animals at times. And so they found that place. And there was that manger, that lowly manger which was a feeding trough for the animals. And oh, the feelings of inadequacy that could creep up. I don't have a proper crib. I don't have a velvet pillow to rest the head of the Savior of the world on. I don't have a fancy palace made out of gold and, and ivory and marble and, and beauty beyond compare. And that's what he deserves, but all that I have are these strips of cloth. All that we have for a bed is a feeding trough. The place that he is born is a functional barn, a place for animals. That's all that we can provide for the Savior of the world. But again, God doesn't belittle Joseph. 
God doesn't belittle Mary. In fact, God worked through that to paint a beautiful picture of the grace and the price of redemption and the humility that Jesus was willing to come to to save the world. If he had wanted to be born in a palace, he would have been born in a palace. But he wanted to show his humility through all of this. So what's the point that I'm making? It's simply this. Don't have those feelings of inadequacy. You have everything that you need right now to fulfill God's will for your life in this present moment. Mary had that. Joseph had that. And the greatest thing that they had was the Lord. Again, it wasn't all about them. It wasn't about their adequacy. It wasn't about their supply. It wasn't about their house or anything else. It was with God. Nothing shall be impossible. God took two ordinary people and used them in a mighty way simply because they were willing to trust God and to go step by step by step, not walking by sight, but walking by faith, trusting and believing God's word, ignoring the naysayers, ignoring the critics around them, and holding firmly to the Lord and his plan and his purpose for their life. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.